Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. And so anyway, this is a builder series, and so it's really, really important. Week one, we basically talked about the most important thing in marriage, period. There is nothing more important than we talked about in week one. Week two really, again, builds on that, and we really last week talked about how there is a huge gap between the way the world dates and the way that a Christ follower would date. There's a huge gap in the way that the world or culture would look at marriage and the way that culture or the way that a Christ follower would look at marriage. They are vastly different. There is a huge chasm between those two things. And unless you figure out the difference and start actually trying to do marriage and dating God's way, you will always find yourself with a little bit more heartache than what is necessary. And you'll always be missing out on God's best for your relationships. Everybody say, all right. So today we're building. We're just kind of keeping on, keeping on and moving forward with this idea of how to create a marriage where you look at your other, uh, your other half and say, that's my better half. This is my Mrs. Better half, my Mr. Better half. And how do we create a marriage that you look forward to coming home to? How do you create a marriage that the world envy? How do you create a marriage that God's blessing is all over? And so we'll continue that today. I'll give you this to start out with. There was a, a man who went to his wife just before her birthday and said, babe, what do you want for your birthday? And she's getting ready and getting dressed and all that stuff. She goes, well, I want to be six again. And uh, he's like, I don't know what that means, but all right. And so he made plans. He's like, I'm going to do something special because this is my honey boo. And so I'm going to go out of my way and plan a special day for her birthday. And so he's like, okay, this is what we're doing then. I'm going to take her to the theme park, right? I'm going to take her to like the, like the Six Flags and we're going to go on roller coasters. And then so, so they do, they, they pack up and it's all a surprise. They get to Six Flags, they go on the doom loop and the flywheel and the death trap and the, all the crazy loops and spinning. And, and you know, how I many of you get nauseous after a little while? And then, and then after that, he's like, you know what? That's just part of the day. Now we're going to McDonald's and I'm going to get you a Big Mac. I'm going to get you French fries. I'm going to get you a chocolate shake and we're going to do that. And then now, now I'm going to take you to the newest like Star Wars movie. I'm going to take you to see Star Wars and we can get popcorn and candy and jujubes and junior mints and M&Ms and chocolate covered raisins. And, and then like, and then like at the end of the day, he's like, babe, was that not just the best day ever? And she goes, well, it was interesting and it was different. She goes, he goes, what do you mean? I thought you said you wanted to be six again. He goes, you dummy. I said I wanted to be a size six again. <laughs> and the moral of the story is, is that if a woman speaks and a man is actually listening, he will still get it wrong. It, it doesn't even matter. Today we will talk about that subject in particular. So I'm going to run through a bunch of scriptures today. This is one of those days where... I'm going to make a point, but I'm going to prove my point and throw every angle at it that I think is important today. And so let's just start on this journey with some of these big scriptural, biblical ideas about us when it comes to the words that we speak. Watch this. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you can't go back further than that. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the face of the deep. Meaning there's a bunch of nothing there. And out of nothing, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. But notice these three words right here. And God said, meaning that when God went to create something, he did what? He spoke. He said some stuff. Now, if you and I create, we, we got to go and, and build something or make something or sculpt something or draw something or color something or do we got to go create and we got to use our hands. But notice the way God creates. God does not have a tool belt. God just says stuff, right? So God, and this is going to be the point, is that God created the world with words. Is that true? Is that 
So God is this person who uses his words to create the world that we live in. Let's look at another scripture here, Mark chapter 11. So Jesus is having a conversation. He's going to teach his disciples about faith. Everybody say faith. That was lackluster. Um, Let's try that one more time. Everybody say faith. There we go. That's much better. So Jesus is going to teach them about faith. So he said, he said to them, have faith in God. Then he explains what that could look like and should look like and how that's applied. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Can you go back one verse for me? There's this unique thing going on here. And, and I want you to say the word that I point to. Are you ready? So, so this is what he said. He said to have faith in God. Let me teach you what that looks like. For surely I say unto you, whoever, everybody say says, yeah. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he. So the point is this, is that faith is released by words. Right. Meaning the application of faith is that faith is not something that you believe in your heart, but it's something that you say with your mouth. I'll prove it to you in the uh, in the book of Romans. When the apostle Paul is talking about salvation, he goes, well, salvation is real simple. It's when you believe in your heart, but then confess with your mouth. And he goes that that confession actually is what leads to salvation. So this uh, there's this idea that faith is released by words. You see what Jesus. So Jesus saying, when you look at your mountains. He goes to speak to him. You talk to him. You use your words to express your faith. Is that fair? So faith is released by words. We're going to do one more and then we'll move forward. So watch this. This is Solomon speaking wisdom again in Proverbs chapter 18. He says, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. And with the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Now, again, this is a credible observation here. Have you ever felt in life like you just weren't satisfied? discontent, disappointed maybe even, like something's missing. He goes, in essence, be monitoring your words because the things that you're speaking and saying about your life and over your life and just the words that you're expressing, they will actually lead you to a place of peace and contentment or they could lead you to a place of being completely unsatisfied and discontent. I want you to think about that. Now listen to what he says in the next verse. The tongue, this is the very next verse, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. That last phrase, those who love it will eat its fruit, is kind of odd. In essence, what he's saying is this. Whoever befriends this principle will reap the reward of it. Whoever befriends this principle, you're going to love it. I promise and so the, the, the walk away from this one to be this, is that the quality of your life is connected to your words. Is that true? Just based on everything we just talked about, it's like all of a sudden God's creating things in the universe and he uses his words. And then you see Jesus talking about faith. Faith is really not something that you just believe in your heart, but it's very much connected to what you say. It said the mountain would be moved because of what you said or your prayers would be answered because of what you said. It, it didn't say you would have whatever you believed. He said you would have whatever you say. And then you have Solomon jumping on the bandwagon too, saying, hey, your whole outlook on life, your whole feeling on life, your whole perspective on life is determined by the words that you choose to speak. And he literally defines it like this. It comes down to really death and life. 
So there's a way of speaking that's so negative or so critical that it leads you to a place of death. And a, there, there's, there's certain words that you can speak that are so positive or faith or life or hope. And he goes, that's where your life is going based on the words that you speak. And I don't want to get into the science of it, but just know this. Science is backing up and supporting everything that we just talked about today. So you're like, Todd, okay, what does this have to do with marriage? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. That's incredible. Thank you for asking. So, so what I would say is this, is if God created the world with his words, you're made in his image and likeness. Notice you can go, you, you were, you were, I'm going to, there you go. So we create our marriage and our family without, you're made in the image and likeness of God, right? God creates things with his words. You create things with your words. So, so what you could say is that when you look at your marriage and you look at like where it's at right now, if you don't like what you're seeing, you need to check what you're saying because there's a certain level of creative power going on in the words that you speak. You cannot fully quantify or qualify. You can't fully put parameters and say, well, I know I said this and that got me this and this, this was a seven and this was a 10 and whoopsie daisy, that was a minus two. You can't quite quantify it, but you're creating things either life or death, with your words. Here, here's another one. We talked about this, that faith is released by words. Well, guess what? We release faith in our spouse with our words. And then lastly, the same thing that our life, the quality of our life is determined. No, no, no. I'm telling you that the quality of your marriage is connected to your words, that you cannot disconnect biblical principle from marriage. So anytime you see biblical principle then you don't just apply that to life in general. You apply that directly to, in this case, my Mr. and Mrs. better half. That's how this works. So the point is this, is our words have incredible power when it comes to our marriage. I want you to think about the power of communication inside of marriage. Isn't this how you normally would meet one another, right? And you got to strike up a conversation. Maybe you start with something cute, but at some point you got to say, hello, my name is Bob right? You got to say, hi, my name is Sheila. And then you got to be able to start talking and communicating, right? You start off in your dating life and you normally begin by asking a whole bunch of what? Questions. You're trying to figure out how you know somebody. What, what, are, do you have anything in common? Are you interested? Do you share some, some likes and dislikes and interests and things like that? So your communication just is how you get the ball rolling. But listen, I'm telling you that this goes over and, and, and for some weird reason, we're pretty good communicating during our dating life because I, I think we, we realize that our future hangs in the balance if we don't. But then we get married and then all of a sudden our communication takes a downward turn. And I'm telling you, you know, your communication is powerful because in marriage, that's how you communicate your needs. That's how you communicate what's going on. That's how you like just work through life, isn't it? Like, hey, we got to pay the bills or, hey, what are we doing with the kids? Or, hey, what's going on with your schedule? Like, this is just basic stuff is that communication is laced into everything. And it's involved in every important aspect of our life. Communication is the way that we do marriage. It's the way that we literally create intimacy in marriage. Now, here's the deal. Remember that verse that said death and life is in the power of the tongue? Y'all remember that? Of course you do. It was like 60 seconds ago. So, so, so remember that? The very next verse Look at what the very, because I didn't read it in order. I went back and threw in some stuff. But I went, let's read it in order. Now. It says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Next verse, very next verse, with zero disconnect, I believe. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So I just want you to know, like, he's talking about death and life. And then he's me like, so like, just so you know, like, I want to connect this to having a wife and then receiving blessing inside of that 
union. And so there's, again, there's this idea of you cannot disconnect the power of the tongue from your marriage, that it is literally one of the most important aspects of your marriage. Let me tell you how, how important this is. There was a university study. I found this to be fascinating because the margins were so razor thin. They did a study and they wanted to see like out of couples who stay together versus couples that break up and split up and, and divorce it is, is like the number of words that are critical and negative given the average. So they took one couple that were doing really, really well, and they would do this over and over and over again, the ones that were doing really well. And what they found is this, is that five out of every 100 comments was negative. Now that sounds pretty good, right? Five out of 100, what percent is that? 5%, y'all weren't sure. You're like, I don't know if I want to say that out loud. What if I'm wrong? It, it really is 5%. So you can just be confident you're very good at math out there. So, so now check this out there. Now, I think that's pretty great, right? How many know that? That sounds like, now that's pretty legit. 5% are negative. That's pretty good. I want you to see the difference here. The couples who split up, it was 10 out of every 100 comments. Now, what is that? What percentage is that? 10, yeah. It's all it's based on 100. Yeah, it's like the metric system. It's just move decimals. So, so anyway, the point was that, that I walked away was this. is like the gap between 5 to 10. That's just five comments. Literally just Five comments can be the difference between whether your marriage is on a path towards life or on a path towards death. It is that critical. It is that huge. It is that big of a deal. When we think about our words, most of us are reeling right now thinking, okay, I said that. I said this one. Oh, crap. I'm at six. I got to stop. And I got no more. I've exhausted my five. You know, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I need you just to kind of dial in and realize that your words have incredible power. And, and, and some of you, what you do is, is you're in the 8, 9, 10, 12 category of negative comments. But see, what you didn't know is, is you were comparing it to the idiot that's been married 10 times and still can't get it right. And you thought they're at 50% and I'm way better than them. Don't grade on the curve. Look at the difference. Literally just 10 out of 100 comments. That, that's not 10%. That's not a ton. You could, you could walk away and like, look, baby, I got a 90% this week. But yet you'd still be in that category of there's too much death in the words that you're speaking. There's too many critical words, too many negative words. And so what I want to do is just kind of give you these big ideas and throw you some more ideas, some more scripture, some more principle on like the power of the tongue and get your mind so dialed into. I want to be so aware of the words that are coming out of my mouth and evaluating how much is it life that I'm giving versus how much death am I giving. And God, would you please help me with my words. Watch this. Number one is this five big ideas about words. Number one is this. You need to know that words last forever. You need to know that. Now, the, the reason why I know that to be true is because when you study the human brain, what you realize is that the human brain is really just a fantastic organic computer. It has the ability to retain, I mean, thousands of years worth of memories and data and information. Now, we all know that doesn't mean you can recall it. Can I get an amen out there? Yeah. That doesn't mean you can recall it. Lord knows I can't recall yesterday, but, but it's in there. And this is, why, this is why you know it's in there. Have you ever been like in an environment where you had, uh, maybe you were at a social gathering and then somebody said something in the very word or phrasing that they chose and all of a sudden a memory just jumped out of nowhere. And you're like, <gasps> you, just, you just took you back or you saw somebody that you hadn't seen in a long time and all of a sudden all the memories that you had connected with that person, they just jumped forward in your brain. They were back there. They were in a dusty library and you don't got no uh, Dewey Decimal System. You don't know how to card catalog nothing. And it's, but it's back there. You ever had a smell? 
trigger memories. So you've got memories. You've got things going on back in the brain. And I'm telling you that your brain logs everything, whether you can recall it or not. That, that's not what I'm saying, but it's logging it away. This is why, you ever, you ever done this before? Have you ever thought about some of the most hurtful words that anybody ever spoke to you? And have you ever noticed how you just seem to carry those things? Like, the ability to go recall those things is pretty easy, isn't it? If I say, hey, what is the meanest thing somebody ever said to you? Oh, I remember when, and take me back. I can tell you things that my dad said about me. I can tell you things that teachers said about me. I can tell you just all kinds of stuff. Now, if you said, Todd, tell me some of the most encouraging things that have ever been told you. How many of you know like that list is so much shorter? Our ability to remember positive, encouraging things, we are quick to dismiss those things, and yet somehow our brain logs some of the negative things. And so in your marriage, my point would be this. Be so incredibly careful with your words because your words, they last forever. Like those words that you said, I'll prove it to you. You know this to be true. If you ever get into an argument, many times your spouse will bring up, do you remember the time when you said, how do they know that stuff? Because we remember these words. Now listen, 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 listen. This is not just a spousal thing. This is an eternal thing as well. Watch this. This is how important our words are. Matthew 12, verse 36 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So there's something about eternity and us giving an account for our life. And one of the things that we have to give an account for is not just our deeds. Now, how many know, like, that's typically what we focus on. But God, I was really good. I went to church. I did this. I did that. I gave this and I did this. And you're talking about your deeds. But you need to remember that one of the things that's being logged away and tracked somehow are the words that you speak. So I just need you to have a level of reverence, to have a level of like the fear of God in you, which is the beginning of all wisdom. I need you to have a level of respect for the words that you speak. So men, when you speak to your wife, I need you to know that stuff's getting logged down. Ladies, some of the nasty things that you've said, that stuff's getting logged. You're going to have to stand before Jesus and be... Yeah, I said that. So, so it is, I just want you to have this sense of reverence and awe that words are not casual, that they're incredibly important. Guys, you need to remember that when you say that to that woman, when you say that to your spouse, like, you need to know, like, you're speaking to the daughter of the king. Like, like you're going to have to go to her dad one day. Did y'all ever have a dating experience where you tried to date a girl and the dad was just super intimidating? Like, I had this. I was in high school. I'm trying to date this girl. And this guy sat me down on the couch. And he literally gave me the, what are your intentions with my daughter? And this guy's like six foot three and 250 pounds. I'm a teenager. I'm like 120 pounds dripping wet. So, I mean, I was a real skinny little kid. And, and like, I have to like, and I just thought, oh, dear God. Don't screw this up. So you just need to know, like, you're going to have that experience one day. Like you're going to have to go before God and ladies, you're going to have to give an account for the words that you spoke over a child of God. So you just need to remember your words have weight. So be careful with the words that you speak. That's, that's okay, let's keep going. Number two is this, is words reveal the heart. Like you need to know 
that not only are they, they, they somehow calculated and kept and, and you have to give an account for them, but like they came from somewhere. Some of us have this tendency to get into an argument or a fight and we get so angry and then we say something hurtful on purpose and then later when we're trying to make up or make amends or ask for forgiveness or just, you know, we want to put the fight away, we say things like, oh, I didn't mean that. That's, that didn't come, that's not really in my heart. I didn't mean that when I said that. Yeah, you did. You did. Now, you may have not meant word for word, but what you said came from a place. Does that make sense? So like here, watch, watch what Jesus says. Jesus says it like this. You may have heard this one before, Matthew 12. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or just make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit so this is the analogy right he's like just think of it you got a tree you get an apple tree and it makes what y'all were like that was like the five percent one again we're like not sure it's not a trick question the answer is not jesus an apple tree makes what <laughs> apples yeah i promise let's let's try this again an orange tree makes there's no trick i promise i'm not trying to like trick you i'm not that guy so so and then he rebukes them so when he says brood of vipers i mean he's 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 giving them the business so he says you brood of vipers he's talking to um some pharisees he says how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so where do the words come from they come from your heart so a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things but an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So you just need to know, maybe you didn't mean the exact words that you spoke, but you need to know that they came from a place and that place was your heart. So let me give you some examples. Like when you speak bitterness and you speak bitter words, that comes from a unforgiving heart. That's where bitterness comes from. Harboring some kind of, somebody's wronged you, hurt you, and you're harboring unforgiveness. And so bitterness comes out of you. Like when you, when you speak disrespect, it means that you don't value that other person. And there's a taking, taking of granted that person who they are in your life. Silence. Silence just means like there's, there's distance, there's separation, something's wrong. So sometimes no words at all comes from the heart. It's saying, I'm going to punish you by not speaking to you. It's just a different way. Abusive speech. Again, it means I want to punish you or control you. So the, I don't want to like get into an argument with you over like, well, I didn't mean exactly that. Yeah, but it came from somewhere. It came from the abundance of your heart, which the big walk away is this. If you're a person who is hurtful with your words, you need to know that you have hurt in your heart. Like you've got something evil, something broken, something off inside of your heart. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said that when there's an evil tree or an evil treasure or an evil heart, whatever you want, you got evil things just coming out of it naturally. You, you speak from the abundance of your heart, which let me just challenge you real quick here. If you're a person that says hurtful things and, and I, and I want to get up here and say, hey, monitor your words, what I would tell you is, no, 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 you need to go monitor your heart first. You need to go seek and search your heart and say, what bitterness, what unforgiveness, what hurt, what wound, what kind of thing is in there inside of me that would allow me to speak something like that? So before you can just, again, change your words, I want you to do that. I want you to say the right thing regardless of what's going on in here, right? Or we could put it like this. Let me ask you a very simple question. Is it good to act biblically even if we don't feel like it? Yes, absolutely. You're be- you are better off acting biblically even when you don't feel like it and then let your heart catch up to that. So start with your words. But before you do that, if you speak her, you need to start with your 
heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You need to know that it comes from somewhere. Here's number three is this, is that words, this is huge in, in relationships and marriage. Words do not replace actions. Like many times what we do as a spouse is we will keep doing the wrong thing and then just trying to say words to make up for it. So if we're neglected with the things that we're doing towards our spouse and then we just say, oh, I'm sorry. If we keep hurting somebody and then just saying, I'm sorry, and that's, that's how we're going to make up for it, words are not substitutionary. Watch what, watch what the Apostle Paul says. He has this idea when he talks to them. He says, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with, with power, like with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. The idea of deep conviction is this. What he's saying is this. I came to you and preached the gospel. But I lived it out and I backed it up and I showed up and I modeled it for you. And so what I need you to know is this, is that words are not replacing and substitutionary. You can't act a certain way and then just reword everything to make it all better and all go away. You've got to have your words and your convictions in alignment. So saying, I love you to make up for something terrible that you did, that does not work. As a matter of fact, guys, listen to me. me. If you keep doing the same dumb thing, over and over, and you're always sorry, then your sorry does not mean anything anymore. As a matter of fact, she will eventually become to, or come to a place where she resents your sorry. Well, I've heard it. I've heard that. How many times? How many times have you said you were going to do this and you didn't? And then you come in and you your sorries don't matter. I, told, I was counseling a young man one time, and I just told him, I said, stop saying you're sorry. Stop it. You're better off screwing up and saying nothing for a little while. Shut up with the I'm sorry. Stop it for a minute and just change. Because if you do this, it's just going to make like she'll never trust your words. Your words are losing value. You're better off just screwing up and saying nothing and just like have some drool. Women are usually more merciful towards stupidity than dishonesty. Can I get an amen? Yeah, well, like we'd rather you just be dumb than be dishonest. So. So words, words do not replace actions. Number four is this, is that bad words don't bring good results. Oh, 197, your kid's tripping. Um, bad words don't bring good results. Let me, let me explain to you why this is so important. Is Sometimes we think that constructive criticism is helpful. Constructive criticism is an oxymoron. It's still just criticism. Can I get an Amen. Like somebody out there, like the difference between physical abuse and verbal abuse is, is the difference between a sledgehammer and a chisel. They will both do incredible damage. One just looks uglier faster. So you need to know like bad. Well, I'm just going to yell until she does what I need her to do. I'm just going to get loud and berate her or him until they do what I need because they need to change. And bless God, I'm going to like verbally beat them into submission and I'll get them to change that way. Because he doesn't listen until I get mad and yell. And she doesn't listen until I get mad and yell. I'm telling you, bad words don't bring good results. It does not happen that way. You think because you see some type of short-term reaction that it's working. And I'm telling you, you're doing 10 times more damage under the surface than what you think you accomplished in a short little window. Like there's sometimes we use manipulative words this way. Well, if you really love me. All of a sudden, like, well, a good husband would. Well, a good wife would. Those are manipulative words. Those are shaming words, guilting words. Well, a good man would. 
All you're trying to do is shame him into getting him to do what you want him to do. And you think that if I'll use shaming words, guilting words, hurtful words, loud words, whatever words, that, that I, you, you might get a short term. You're going to get long term damage. And sometimes we know this because we know when we've seen a marriage, what happens is this, is a marriage usually doesn't just fall off of a cliff. It slowly grows cold. And it usually grows cold because of the words that we speak. We're not taking a sledgehammer to our marriage, most of us. We're taking a chisel. And little by little, we keep using our words in hurtful ways. And see, what you're telling me is, to, but, but I just want what's best for them. I know that they need to, I know that too. I know he needs to stop. I know she would be better off if she just would. I know that, but you're not Jesus. And you're not Holy Spirit Jr. So why don't you, okay. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to be a godly spouse and let Jesus do his work in them. But bad words don't bring about good results. Number five is this. This is my last one. This is huge. Words do not mean the same thing to men and women. And all the ladies said, you know, amen. Yeah, yeah. That, that, don't, that don't mean the same thing. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like all kinds of things, like volume of words. That's different, isn't it? There's all kinds of studies. Some, some, some will say women speak 10,000 words a day. You talkative. Some are like 5,000 words a day. I don't even know who's tracking this stuff. I couldn't handle that job. Counting how many words you speak. Um, a computer program should do that. I can't do that. So whatever it is, though, it's literally at least two to one. Every study, every stat, it's like two to one. So the volume of words. So, guys, this is what happens is that you go to work and you usually get out your 2,000 words. And then like, especially like depending on if she's working or if she's at home or whatever, she, she got through maybe 2,000 words. If she's at home with them kids, she got through less maybe, right? Because she's hiding in the closet, just hoping them kids didn't bother her no more. And, and so, but my point is, is that by the time you get home, you're out of words and she's got a whole bunch of words and she needs somebody to listen. And that's your J-O-B. It is to listen just nod and smile and listen. Just, just, be, just be available and listen because she has an extra volume of words compared to you, and that's okay. Do you notice not only volume of words, but like type of words are different? You ever watch two guys talk to each other? We just like, I literally, I just met this dude, like, what do we start talking about? Basketball. I meet, I meet this dude, like, we start about gym and working out. I talk to this dude, we start talking about guns and shooting stuff. And Why? why? Just, we just talk about stuff. That's fun. Women, they talk about feelings and people and relationships. And like, I'll, I'll do this. I'll get home from the gym and, and, and I was like, you know, hey, babe, how you doing? How's your workout? Oh, it's great. I was, I, I, what do I tell her? How much I lifted. That's all that matters. And then she'll be like, how's Steve? I don't know. We didn't even talk. We just lifted heavy things and felt really manly about it. Now, if, if she goes out and works out with Kat, I could be like, hey, how was your workout? I really just want to know how much she lifted. That's all I care about. And she doesn't even know. That's the funny thing. She goes, I don't know. I just, I just put a little bit of weight on and start doing it. If it hurts, I stop. So, and then I'm like, okay, how's Kat? Oh, you know, Kat is really feeling. I'm like, you could have just said fine. Like, she's fine. That's, that's all I needed. That's, that's it. That would have summarized everything. Is she good or not good? There's only, like, how many, how many classes are there, men? How you doing? Good? Not good. 
That's it. Women, they have like a, a, a color spectrum of feelings and emotions. So guys, this is what I'm telling you is that when you come home and they got 2,000 extra words and they ask you how your day is, they don't want fine. Okay, now if I ask you how you're doing, what do you say? And that's good. That's because I care about anyway. You good or not good? Should I pray for you? You good? Okay, we're good. Um, but when she comes home, she wants to know like who you spoke to, how that made you feel, you know, what you're thinking about. Like, so like, just be prepared. That's okay. They're different. That's why they're wonderfully and beautifully different guys. Women, sorry. That's all I have to say about that. So like, like here, here's something you need to know. Women, this, this maybe will help you understand this. Um, men are, are sexually immodest, but emotionally modest. That's why we don't mind like walking around with the towel off. Right? So we just, we don't care. We just walk around. It was sexually immodest, but we're emotionally modest. Now, women, you're the opposite. For the most part, you're sexually modest, but you're emotionally immodest. So like you need to know that if you ever want your man to open up, you have to create an incredibly safe environment like for him to open up because it's weird for us. Now we have feelings, but we just want to talk about them, right? But we got them. We really do feel things. So for you to, to get us to open up more, like you need to create this safe environment. And here's my, my big, big warning to you. If you ever take if we ever have a vulnerable moment and you take that and use it against us, we won't open up again. Don't do that. If, if we ever open up and get vulnerable and share something with you and then we found out you told your girl with your 10,000 words per day and you told them what we shared with you in a, in a modest place, in a safe place, in a secret place, we won't open up to you. We, we, like, that's just the way that it is. We need to know that there's a vault. With the key code and some keys and some, some it's just, nobody's getting in. So when we share with you stuff, like it needs to be like that. So you just need to know, like we do have feelings, but we don't have the spectrum of, of words and rainbow colors to share them with, okay? But if we do, they need to be protected and they need to be guarded. Like the, here's another thing, ladies, too. Like when, when you want to talk, here, here's a great thing to, to think about. Like guys, you ever notice how like when you talk to your wife, this happens to me all the time. I'll get into a conversation with my wife and she'll be talking about this and then she will like shift gears seamlessly. And then I'll about to be like, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. Are we still talking about Jenny? Or are we talking about Becky now? Like who are, did you just, it's a whole new conversation. It was somehow linked by one word, but I missed it. <laughs> so like women have brains that can multitask. Like they can literally, you ever seen women, guys, you ever seen women at a party and they'll carry on two conversations at the same time? It's the weirdest thing. I can't follow it. I'm like, I feel like a ping pong ball is bouncing around. And I can't follow. And so like, like you just need to know they're going to be all over the place and that's okay. Just nod and smile and try to listen. Every once in a while, I literally will do this. Like my wife will be talking. I'll be like, okay, can you slow down and say that again? I literally, I'm like, baby, will you, this is what I feel like Michael Scott in the office when he's like, will you, will you explain this to me as if I'm a five-year-old? I don't, I don't know that I'm following you. What? And I just literally like, but it's better that you track along. Now, guys are different though. Guys only want to talk about one thing because that's we're, 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 we only have singular focus anyway. We can only think about one thing at a time, talk about one thing at a time. And so like, stay focused on one thing. We're talking about one thing. Don't bounce if we were talking because then you've lost us. And then you're like, you never open up. Like I did. I had one thing. That was it. So, so, but my point is like, like women, here's another great example. Like you ever feel like he doesn't listen? That was like a duh moment. Okay, so, yeah. So, so like, here's one of the things you need to know about the male brain. 
Like, again, we can only focus on one thing at a time, but like studies have shown that if we're like playing a video game or watching, watching a sport game or doing something and then you're talking to us and you're like, you never listen. He literally is not listening. And the reason why is because the male brain, literally his hearing level goes down as his eyes are focused on something. So when he didn't listen to you, he really wasn't. But that's not his fault, okay? So this is what you have to do. Okay, are there children in here? Can I say things? Okay, like you got to do something to get his attention, okay? I'll leave it at that. You got to do something to get his attention. And what you want to do is be like, sweetie, will you, will you pause that for just one second? And you'll be like, okay, will you just, just 30 seconds, give me, look at me, look at me. And then don't speak until you got that. Because if, if you do anything else, he only got like a fraction of whatever you just said. Does that make sense? So it's got to be like, hey, sweetie, can you just, can you just, just pause that for one second? You just, no, look, 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 listen, listen. It's almost like kindergartners. Look, look, listen, listen. And then, and then like, and don't belittle him, but just make sure like you, if, if his focus is not on you, he, literally his hearing level goes down. And so anyway, again, he, here, last one is this, this last one is this, this is so huge. This is so important. If, if you miss everything else that, that I said, you might want to lock into this one. You need to know that men and women are different in the way they communicate and the way they hear. And, and, and here's a big one is that women, if you could put this up on the screen for me, is that women hear, hear things through their need for security. So like you need to know that like a woman, when they hear things, they have this emotional filter. And what they want to know is, is they have a man who loves them, protects them, has got their back, is all in, and they have a secure relationship. Because if they don't have this, what you'll find is this. If there's insecurity in the relationship, that becomes the filter that everything you say flows through. This is why you see in a damaged marriage, everything, everything they say is skewed in the most negative way possible. Like if, if, if it could have been interpreted in a good way or a bad way, it's always the bad way. Why? Because their, their insecurity has now become the filter. So now everything that you say, you do this too, guys. You, when you're mad at somebody or frustrated or irritated or insecure, or whatever it is, that becomes the filter. So when she says what she said, on any other day, you would have been fine with that. But because of your emotional state, if you're in a funky place, it goes through that filter and then all of a sudden you hear everything and you receive it in the most negative light possible. It could have been interpreted either way. You could have given them the benefit of the doubt. I bet they probably meant this. You could have given them some grace and just assumed they meant the good way and not the bad way, right? But when the filter is insecure, so, so listen, you just need to make sure that there's no insecurity in the relationship. This is why I tell couples all the time, you don't start throwing around the D word. And I don't mean dang it. Dag nabbit. I don't know what you say in your home. That's Christian cussing. We don't throw around the divorce word. Because the divorce word is the ultimate word of insecurity. It means you're not all in. You could leave. You could bail. You could abandon ship. Maybe you're not fully committed. Maybe I'm not the priority. Maybe the marriage is not the priority. Why? And so ladies, both sides. Just so you know, just when I say this stuff, it goes both ways. But women just have this filter. Now, the other one is this, is a man hears normally through his need for honor. So like, ladies, you need to know that men speak a certain dialect. Has anybody ever been to Louisiana before? Have you ever noticed, like, they're in the South, right? So there's a Southern draw, a Southernism. Sometimes you might hear that come out of me or all the time. I don't know. So, so I have a Southernism because I'm from South Carolina. But inside the South, there are a couple of unique dialects inside. And one of them's Charleston and the other one's Louisiana. And Louisiana has its own little subtle dialect. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so ladies, ladies, listen, listen. Men speak English. Well, 
in this room probably for the most part. But they're speaking English, but there's a subtle dialect. And for some reason, most women don't pick up on it and don't understand it. But the dialect is this, it's honor. So ladies, when you speak to your husband and you demean him, belittle him, speak down to him or disrespect him, I promise you he resents you for it. Now, again, you may be thinking that I have to treat him this way to get him to do anything. You're getting short-term results and long-term bitterness, long-term resentment. Why? Because he speaks through the language of honor. I'm telling you that if you want your husband to actually move, to to get into a direction, to, to go somewhere, I'm telling you that when you begin to speak the language of honor, it builds something within him. The other breaks him down to where you either end up with a man who's a shell of himself or a man who just resents you secretly. Because he ain't going to say nothing because he don't want to hear you no more. And the reason why he doesn't want to hear you no more is because you speak the language of disrespect. As a matter of fact, watch. In Ephesians chapter 5, it's the longest teaching in the entire New Testament on marriage. The Apostle Paul basically just goes on and teaches for verse after verse after verse after verse. But the summary statement is this. This is Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. You know what that creates? Security. No, no, I'll love you. This I'll put you ahead of me. I'll prefer you. I'll make you safe and secure. I'll make sure that I prefer your needs above my needs. Literally, he had just said in a statement before this that a man will give his life for his wife. The same way Christ died for the church, a husband will give his life for his wife. That creates incredible security when I know when she knows you'll take a bullet for her you will go wash her car, fill up her gas tank. You will go out of your way. You will take care of them kids. You will do, you, you'll do whatever it takes to make her feel secure. But, everybody say but. Remember I said women have this language and the filter is security. And the wife must what? Respect her husband. So what's the language of men? It's the language of respect. And so I'm just telling you, it's a subtle language, ladies. If you will learn, ladies, to speak man, I'm telling you what, you will be so happy with the outcome. If you will learn to put a little bit of just touch and love and build his ego. Look, we got fragile egos. We need to be massaged and built up and make us feel like we're superheroes and make us feel like we're Indiana Jones and and, and Thor and all that good stuff. Just make us feel awesome and watch what happens. Again, the normal culture says, well, I'll have to beat him into submission or I'll have to criticize him until he... I'm telling you, it's the opposite. And Paul says the filter through which every person will communicate. For women, it's that idea of love and security. And for men, it's that idea of respect and honor. And this is the language that we speak. So, like, guys, what's your language like? Like, how good of a communicator are you? Do you have the ability to think before you speak? Or do you just blurt things out? Ladies, do you have the ability to dial in that unique dialect and begin to speak the language of respect because you say todd look okay what do i do with all this stuff you told me because all of it's true all of it's biblical we had a scripture for everything and i backed it up and there's studies and science it's all there what do i do the end result is this is you have to speak life you have to make a choice to speak life the person who loves this principle will reap the rewards of it if you will learn to speak security to speak honor to speak life to encourage to build up i'm telling you you will reap the rewards of a great marriage. And so this becomes our prayer for today. It is this. God, please give me the wisdom to speak the right words at the right time and help me to avoid saying the wrong words altogether. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we said a lot today. And so God, I I just pray that you would take something. I don't know which one it was. 
I don't know if it was a phrase, if it was a point, if it was a particular scripture. I don't know what it is, but God, I pray that you take that thing that they needed to hear and that, God, you would so impress that on their heart and on their mind that, God, that they would be challenged and convicted. Next time they, they open their mouth to speak to their better half, God, that they'd be so respectful of words that they would realize, man, these things are being recorded apparently. I have to give an account for this stuff one day. And they're not going away in the eyes of God or in my spouse's hearing. Like It's, it's forever. These words are important. These words are valuable. They literally, inside of words, there's creative power, the ability to create life or death, to release faith or to release fear and doubt. Are you releasing faith in your marriage? Or do you use your words to release maybe the doubt? Are you using your words to build up your spouse? Or are you taking your words like a chisel and just cutting away at their value and worth? I want you to know they're incredibly valuable to your heavenly father. That Your spouse is so valuable to your heavenly father that he sent his son to die for them. That's how valuable they were. How would you talk to a person of that immense and incredible value? How would you speak to someone who was a daughter of the king? How would you speak to someone who was a son of the king? How would you talk to them? What if we begin to look at our spouse and say, man, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to build up. My job is not to fix my spouse with my word. So God, would you please help us? God, help us to, at the last second, hold our words, hold our tongue and think and pray, and consider. God, would you help us to say the right words at the right time? And God, to avoid saying the wrong words altogether. God, if there's something in our heart right now, if we're a person that speaks hurtful words, and if there's something in our heart that's hurt, God, would you please come and help? Would you please come and heal? God, would you please come and reveal that to me? God, where did that come from? Where, where, where did that hurt come from? Where does that unforgiveness lie? God, would you show that to me? Lord, help me. God, I want to be a person who uses their words to create an incredible marriage. Lord, that is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.